last week, last Sunday, was a great Sunday, right? I mean, we're doing a sermon on red letters. Um, there's going to be an offering in the back at some point. I'll pray for that later, too. If I forget, you know, the offering will be back there. But sometimes I just get distracted. Uh, I like the presence of God and what he's doing. And so anyway, uh, last week we spent time looking at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I said, I want to do a series based on the Scripture, which, which in the Scripture, you know, some of them have red letters, which are words that are attributed to Jesus Christ. And sometimes they happen outside of the Gospels. We all get it when they happen inside the Gospels because Jesus was there and he was talking. But there's some places in Scripture where we see these words that come straight from Jesus to his followers. And so uh, we were looking at them. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 was a vision Sunday. We preached vision in the middle of September and I loved it. I mean, it's fun to talk about what God wants us to do. It's fun to talk about the plans that God has for us. Kathy just shared vision for her life that god spoke to her as she was reading the scripture that that she has a a call there's a there's a mantle to stand in the gap and who's going to do that i mean i love vision i love to know where we're going acts chapter 1 verse 8 god said i will undo you with power from on high and you'll be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria even to the ends of the earth and we talked about our vision Who doesn't love to know where we're going? It's exciting to talk about, to hear from Greg that God is burdening he and Kathy for this time of worship. I was excited about that. This week, there were some guys, James 127, that got to go to someone's house and help put a door in their house. Why? Because we're we're excited about being engaged in the ministry that God has for us. We love Vision Sunday. We love to talk about what we're doing. It's exciting. It gets me jazzed up. I mean, you want to get me going, get me talking about the things that God is is leading us to do. I'll just talk your ears off. I'll get excited and talk faster than I'm talking right now. Right, Rosemarie? I mean, that's what happens to me. I just get compelled and, and I just want to share and I'll probably talk over top of you because God's speaking to me and I know what he's saying. I know where we're going and it's exciting. We love that moment. I'm going to say something today. There's going to be some people who don't like the sermon today. This sermon is what I feel like is the complement to the sermon we preached last week. This is a sermon that I think Ezekiel, that, that, that portion that Kathy shared from the scripture, it, it builds on that. We're going to share a story. It's from Acts chapter 9. And in this story, we're going to hear about a man. And I know most of us will know this story. His name is Saul. We know Saul's story, but we're going to look at this story today because there's some red-letter words that I believe God is speaking to our church this day. There's some red-letter words that I believe He's he's speaking to us that I I want to get to. You remember Saul. Who was Saul? If you look just a couple chapters before, Saul was one who was diligent. He was intentional about persecuting the early church. The first martyrdom we see in Scripture is the martyrdom of Stephen. And he stoned. And it says that, that Saul was there taking coats at this, at this place where he was stoned. Saul was a part of that. Acts chapter, chapter 9, verse 1. Nope. Oh, there we go. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So, so when we meet Saul in Acts chapter 9, we're going to get to some red-letter words in a moment. When we meet him in Acts chapter 9, who is he? 
He's someone who's breathing out murderous threats against God's disciples. He's gone to the high priest and he said, hey, do I have your permission to go to the synagogues in Damascus and arrest anyone who, 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 is, who is teaching the way, their way? That's who he is. That's what he sets out to do. But then in verse 3, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. I'll tell you what, since you may not like my sermon, I've got a couple extra sermons for you this morning. If you don't like them, these, these aren't the red-letter words that I'm going to preach today. But if you wanted a red-letter sermon on these, it would be, when God shows up, your plans change. I mean, that's what happens, right? I mean, Saul, he set out, he's going to Damascus, he's going to arrest, he's going to intimidate, he's going to do whatever he can. Maybe he'll get to oversee a stoning, he doesn't know. He's going to take care of those, those, those ones who are, who are teaching the way. That's his plan. But then God shows up. God's on the way. He's got himself, or Saul's on the way. He's got himself. Verse 7 said there were men that were traveling with Saul. They stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they did not see anyone. So Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind and didn't drink anything, eat or drink anything. Can you imagine this moment? Saul, he's not even just by himself, but he's got some dudes that are going to come with him. Probably big strong guys, because if they're going to go arrest Christians, who knows what's going to happen. So I'm going to surround myself with some big strong guys that are, have the same mission in mind. They're all setting out to, to go attack the church, to go attack this new way that's threatening the, 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 the Pharisees and Sadducees. It's threatening the high priest. He's giving them permission. But then God shows up. I mean, talk about incredible. God shows up and, and he changes the mission. He changes the purpose of Saul. Now Saul doesn't know what's happening. All he knows is he's got to be led because he's now blind into town by these guys that were supposed to be coming with him to attack Christians. These new believers in Jesus Christ. So for three days, he didn't eat or drink anything. Apart from this moment, we see some red letters. Separate from Saul and his men, we see some other letters. It says, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Verse 11, here's some red letters. If I were preaching on these verses, I'd have a great sermon for you, but I'm not going to preach on these verses today. This sermon would be when God asks you to do the stupid things. When God asks you to do the things that don't make sense. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he has prayed. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias, and I'm sure Jesus would highlight, that's you. It's not the other dude named Ananias, that's you. I mean, can you imagine that? It's like God's talking to the third person, like seriously, like, He's seen a man named Ananias. So what is it? He's seen you, you know? Anyway, uh, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. When God asks you to do the things that are stupid, that don't make sense, Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your 
holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call in your name. What do I know from these verses? Ananias already knew Saul was coming. And I'm guessing, because he's a believer in the way, Ananias is already preparing how he can avoid Saul completely when he's in town. I mean, God's going to show up. God, God shows up to him. He says to him, you're going to go to him. Wait a minute. I've been planning to hide from him. They told us he had permission. Like he's got the seal of the high priest. He's got the high priest permission to arrest us. When God shows up, and when God asks us to do the unimaginable. But that's not my red letter sermon for today. Acts chapter 9, verse 15 and 16. Ananias has made his case. Lord, this is, my plans were to avoid him. He's bad. He wants to do bad things. He's got permission, authority, all these things in life. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Verse 15, I love because this is a vision This is a vision verse. This is a verse all about vision, man. I need you to go. Why? Because i got a plan. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and to their kings and to the people of Israel. I mean, look at what God's got in store. That's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. This verse is last Sunday. God's got a plan. Here's what I'm about to do. Here's what I want to accomplish. There's a guy named Saul, and I'm going to use him to do some pretty great things. I'm going to use him to accomplish some pretty incredible things in my church, for my church, for the kingdom of God. Last Sunday, God is calling our church. I said, my my vision, love God, love people, make an impact in our world. God has plans and purposes to use the body of Christ in Crawford, Nebraska to do incredible things in Crawford, in Nebraska, and to the ends of the earth. And that makes me excited. I love Acts 9.15. I want to stay in Acts 9.15. I love the excitement of Acts 9.15. Paul, Paul, well, he's soon to be Paul. His name is Saul now. He's going to go to the Gentiles. He's going to reach them. He's not just going to reach them, but he's going to reach their kings. He's not just going to reach their kings, but he's going to reach the people of Israel. I mean, this is an exciting verse. We scream and shout. We say hallelujah about this verse. But the red letter words I want to focus on this Sunday. Verse 16, when I read this chapter. just grabbed me. So, Ananias, I need you to go to to Saul. I'm going to give you a hint. Here's what Saul's going to do. He's going to go do crazy good things. I got crazy vision, crazy plans for his life. Okay, God. He breathes murderous threats. He wants to kill us. But I got plans for him. And then God says, verse 16, I will show him. Oh, God's going to show him. Sounds good. It's a good thing. I'll show him. Okay, you're going to show him like 
the Gentiles and the kings. I got a plan for Saul, God said. I got a plan for his life. And so the way I'm going to talk to him, God's saying to Ananias, is I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Wait, wait, wait. God, let me, let me explain something to you. When you're recruiting someone for ministry, you never tell them about the problems that are coming. You don't tell them about the kids that won't listen. You don't tell them about the snots that get rubbed on the wall. You don't tell them about the tantrums. You don't tell them about the crazy parents that say, you can't do that with my kids. You don't tell them about all those things. God, you're supposed to tell them about all the victories, about seeing the kids know Jesus Christ, about watching them being transformed by His love, about the cool projects they get to make for mom while they're down there and the fun things that they get to see, the influence that they get to have. God, what are you going to do? He's calling Saul to an incredible purpose. He's got an incredible vision for Saul's life, but God's going to communicate to him how. See, the compliment to the vision is the cost. The compliment to the vision is the cost. You see, God, he's talking to Saul. Who's going to understand suffering better than Saul? Yeah, he's blind, doesn't know what's going on for three days. He's going to listen to anything at this moment. God says, when I call him, I'm going to show him how much you must suffer in my name. He said, Saul was there when they stoned Stephen. What about that moment? God's calling me. Jesus is talking to me in red, and all he begins to show me is all that I will suffer for his name. Wait a minute, is this truly what I'm signing up for? If anyone in all of creation would understand what he was signing up for, if anyone in all of creation had any concept of what was coming, it would have been Saul. And I'm telling you, he knew the hatred. He knew the anger. He knew the dedication that the Pharisees and Sadducees, that the high priests and others in the Jewish faith had against Christians. He knew what suffering would mean, what it meant. But, verse 17, Ananias went to the house. He entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like... Like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, and he was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. God showed up. Ananias was obedient to what God asked him to do. He, he began to pray for Saul. I have to guess, because God said he was going to do it. In that moment, he's praying for Saul. He's not showing Saul all the crazy things that are about to happen, all the incredible victories he's going to have. He shows Saul the cost 
for following him. He shows Saul what it's going to cost to serve him. And what was Saul's response? Immediately he got up and he was baptized. Because it was no longer about the cost, but it was about the cause. It wasn't about the suffering. It was about God's sovereignty. God begins to show Saul the suffering. We can see a picture of it. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. What did, what did God show Saul? What do I propose, Pastor Steve? I'm adding a little bit here. I'm assuming that God, if he said he was going to show him all he must suffer for his name, we see all that Paul suffered. So when he's saying, hey, are you in or are you out? Are you on board or are you off track? And he says, are they servants of Christ? I am out of my mind to talk like this. I'm more. I have worked much harder been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. One time I was beat, or three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and I've toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Beside everything else, I face daily the pressure for my concern for all the churches. Can you imagine that God, when he's calling Saul, that when he's redeeming Saul and showing him his purpose, he doesn't show him, you know, this is what I figure, you know, Paul, he saw whatever you want to call him, but that time God's going to show him the Gentiles. He's going to show him the kings. He's going to show him them pretty maps in the back of the Bible that show all the journeys that Paul take, all the places you'll go. I mean, wouldn't that make more sense to show Paul than to begin to show him how many times he was going to be beaten with whips, how many times he was going to be with stones, how many times he was going to be thrown in prison, how many times people were going to hate him, how many times people were going to chase him, how many times people were going to threaten him. What makes more sense? But no, God showed Paul the cost. We love vision. But what about the cost? Because I promise, I promise, if you're passionate about the cause, there will be cost. Why is no one standing in the gap? Because there's suffering in the gap. Because sometimes it hurts to stand in the gap. Sometimes people think we're strange when we stand in the gap. 
Some people even get angry when they stand in the gap. Some people want to hurt us when we stand in the gap. I want to tell you, God's got incredible plans for our church. God's got incredible plans for your life. That's Acts 9.15. He's going to use us. I believe He's going to use us to reach Crawford. I believe He's going to use us to, to reach Nebraska. I believe He's going to use this body, the body of Christ in Crawford, Nebraska, to go to the ends of the earth. I believe that God desires incredible things to happen through this place. And yeah, pastor, I want to be a part. But I would not be a good pastor if I didn't tell you about Acts chapter 9, verse 16. I would not be a good pastor if I didn't let you know that as we get intentional about the plans of God, we can expect that there will be attacks that come against us. We can expect that there will be some suffering that comes because of the cause of Christ which compels us. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake. These are Paul's words now. This is after the fact. This is when he's doing the work. He's seen the victories, but he's still wrestling with the suffering. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do we truly delight in the cost for the cause? Do we truly delight? Paul says he finds joy in the suffering. Why? Because Paul knows the cause for which He's suffering. My light and momentary troubles, what? Are producing for me a crown of righteousness or something along those lines? Light and momentary. I was talking to my wife. I'm going to talk about pastors for a minute. There's none others than myself in this room, but I'm going to talk about them because we've got a problem in, in the church in America, and that's no one wants to go to rural communities. This is the reality of churches right now. They don't want to go to rural communities because, well, they think it's suffering. My wife, we said, we don't feel suffering. I said, but some would say it's suffering because there's no Walmart. There's not a mall for like 70 miles. No Starbucks. Let me talk about my cross for Jesus Christ for a moment. And we think suffering is going without some specialty coffee for crying out loud. What happens when we really suffer for the cause? We won't, we won't suffer for the cause just to go. What happens when we really have to suffer? I'm afraid all of a sudden Acts 9.15 goes. Acts 1.8 doesn't matter because, boy, this isn't what I signed up for. No, I can do nothing but this. Because I signed up for the cause. 
Because I've been called. I've been created to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I've been created to be light in the darkness. And so guess what happens? When things are dark, people don't like light. Wives, husbands, you love it when it's dark in your room and your spouse comes in and turns on the light. Right? There might be some suffrage words in that moment. You know what I'm saying? I might not be a very effective witness of the gospel in that moment. Some insults and persecution. Because you are called to be salt and light. That's who you're called to be. Stopped working. 1 Peter chapter 4. It says, Dear friends, do not be surprised by the fire ordeal that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. It shouldn't be unusual for us to have a suffering or a cost or a fiery... I mean, he says fiery ordeal. I don't even know what a fiery ordeal is. I mean, I can use my imagination... Peter say it, it shouldn't surprise you when the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you. Huh? I tell you what. I'm going to be surprised at a fiery ordeal. I mean, just the connotation of that. Peter's saying, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. What is the cause? The cause is that God's glory would be revealed. The cause is that God's glory would be revealed. Jesus said in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word became flesh. He made His dwelling among us. That's the glory of God. John chapter 1 Verse 1, when the glory of God is revealed, that's when Jesus Christ is made known to others. That's the cause that we have. That you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the Spirit of glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, don't be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it's a time of judgment to begin with God's household. If it begins with us, what will the outcome be to those who don't obey the gospel of God? Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, yeah, verse 11 says, Blessed are you when people insult and persecute you. And say falsely all kinds of evil against you because of me. Matthew chapter 10. He's sending out his disciples. Jesus. These are red letter words. What does he warn his disciples about? Yes, they know the cause. But he tells them there's a cost. I'm sending you like sheep among wolves. 
That doesn't sound good. There's a cost to what you're about to do. I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over. Now, I'm signing up for this. You'll be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. Verse 22, you will be hated by everyone because of me. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. What's our cause? What's our cause? What's your cause? What's God called you to do? Is the cost worth it? Is the cause worth the cost? Does it matter if you'll be arrested? Does it matter if you'll be flogged? How can Paul continue on after time and time again? He's arrested and running. After time and time again, he's beaten. I mean, almost to the point of death. But I must continue. Because there's someone who doesn't know the truth of Jesus Christ. But I must go on because they've never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. I rejoice when I suffer because someone was able to understand God's love just this much more. I rejoice when I suffer because there was an eternal change that happened because I was obedient to the cause, not worrying about the cost. You see, the problem is we're more cost-driven than we are cause-driven. I'm going to say that again because I don't preach. We are so much more cost-driven. Let's just be real for a moment. Our Honda Odyssey is on its last leg. But used cars are expensive right now. Leaking a little bit of oil here or there. We smell funny. We pull up at Walmart. It's all right just to pour past it from Crawford. But you see, we're more cost-driven than we are cause-driven. That thing break down, we all got legs, we can walk. We're going to find us a good deal one of these days.
our faith is just the same. I'm not worried about if we break down in the middle of nowhere or the band can't start tomorrow. I'm worried about the cost. About the cause. Well, I mean, people might make fun of me. I might not receive what I got to say. I might lose a friendship over this. They're from Iowa. They're just strange anyway. And we let the cost keep us from the cause. But because Paul knew the cost, he never ran from the cause. He he dealt with that in that moment moment when Ananias was praying for him. He dealt with all that was coming in that moment. And he said, I'm committed to the cause. God, you've called me to the Gentiles. You've called me to their kings. You've called me to even reach the people of Israel. I will do that no matter the cost. What about Are you more compelled by the cause than frightened by the cost? You guys can come forward. Luke chapter 9, I'm just going to read this because it's in there. He said, The Son of Man must suffer things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day raised to life. Then he said to all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. They must take up their cross daily and follow me. What does that mean? Take up their cross daily. Take up that place of suffering daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their very soul. You see, I understand the cause. I understand eternity. I understand the plans of God. The cost does not matter. The trials, the troubles, the places of suffering. No, I will take that up daily. I will carry that with me daily so that when I'm in the moment that God is using me, I can be compelled by the cause. I'm going to end with this. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 7 says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. You know, I consider them garbage. Other translations will say rubbish. That I may, have, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. This is Paul's, Paul's cause. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of His resurrection and participation in sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained all this. 
Not that I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to win the goal, to, to, toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Last week, we said we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. That was Hebrews. This week, we're of those who, who press on. That doesn't matter what comes against us because we know what we're called to do. We know what we have to accomplish. We know what God desires to use us to do. So it doesn't matter what attacks come. It doesn't matter what insults fly. It, now, I'm not saying, my wife said you've got to preface this, so I'll preface it now. Sometimes we bring suffering on ourselves that God didn't want us to have. You know what I'm saying? Make sure your cause is in the right place. Okay, we got that. So we press on toward the goal, which is heavenward in Christ Jesus. Sometimes we suffer for ourselves, not for our Savior. That's not good. It's not worth it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on to win the goal. The prize for which God has called me heavenward. This morning, I'm excited about our cause. I love what God's getting ready to do. I'm excited about His plans. I'm excited about reaching Gentiles. I'm excited about reaching kings. I'm excited about going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. I'm excited about about ministries developing within the body of Christ. I'm excited about equipping the saints for the work of the gospel. I'm excited about the potential of what God has for us in this moment. I'm excited about all that God's going to accomplish. But I'm also excited because that cause is so important. I'm excited because nothing, I want nothing to interfere with the cause of God. God's cause for our church. No cost. I I want you to be warned when things get hard that no, there's a cause to this. There's a reason for this. Yeah, it's insane for Paul to endure everything. That's why they say it's one of the greatest testimonies. I mean, well, well, he's stupid. Excuse me. Foolish. Sorry, that's more pastorly. To subject himself to shame and shame. Stones and insults, but the cause. I'm going to pray the cause burns in you so great. Yeah, you've heard now the cause. You're warned about the cause. But the cause is what compels you. I'm going to pray the cause would raise above the cost in your life. I'm going to pray that God would allow you to burn the fiery ordeal inside of you would be the cause of God that's compelling you to move forward, that's compelling you to speak, that's compelling you to be stretched, that's compelling you to do something that doesn't make sense. I'm going to pray God shows up and change your plans. That's that sermon. I'm going to pray God asks you to do the unthinkable. There's that sermon. Because He's called us to a cause that is greater than a cost. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. God, I love the cause. 
the cause, God, that it's your will that none would perish, but that all would have everlasting life. The cause that says that God loved this world so much he sent his one and only son so that whoever believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The cause that said the world needs to know and you've compelled your church to be your witnesses. God, I pray we become so compelled by the cause that we consider the cost blessing. So compelled by the cause that we consider it pure joy when we face these trials, these fiery ordeals. Because we know eternity's being changed. The power of sin and death is being broken. The truth of Jesus Christ is being acknowledged. People will now inherit the kingdom of God. People will be able to sing that song. I'm a child of God. That's who I am because I've been obedient to the cause that God has placed in my life. God, highlight the cause in us. Let us be ready for the cost when it comes. So your will can be accomplished. So your will can be accomplished in our life. So your will can be accomplished in our home. So your will can be accomplished in our family. So your will, God, can be accomplished in our church. So your will, God, can be accomplished in our community. So your will, God, can be accomplished in our state, in our nation, and in our world. Because of what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name. I'm going to have them... Lead us in a chorus and you can reflect or respond however you see fit. I do want to open up the altar for a time of prayer. Actually, uh, Dwayne and, and Terry and Mike, can you guys come forward? William, will you come up here too? Dwayne, come on up here. I want to pray for Phyllis this morning as a church. Dwayne, I want to pray for Phyllis. It's all right. I just want to pray for Phyllis, Dwayne, or Dwayne. That's what we're doing. I want us to respond to the cause, but I also want us to, to lift up Phyllis this week. Um, many of you saw on Facebook, but maybe you didn't see it. She was diagnosed with leukemia. They say it's curable, and she's getting ready to go through those tests. But, but she needs a, a body of Christ lifting her up. She needs her family, her brothers and sisters in Christ, crying out to God on her behalf. They might 
need you just to show up at their house with a nice meal or something one night so Phyllis doesn't have to cook it. But that's where she's going. And so uh, I would ask if a few people could come up here, maybe our board members or others want to come up, lay hands on, on, on this family. Uh, if you don't want to, you can stretch your hands where you're at. But I want this to be a time of prayer as well. There may be other needs that come up as they lead us in chorus, but, but I want us to pray for Phyllis this day, the will of God, the plans of God, the purposes of God in her life. Father, we come to you and we thank you because we know what you've accomplished. We know, God, that Jesus Christ said it is finished. We know that he said we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. And so, God, I pray that promise over Phyllis' life this day. God, I pray that she is more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. God, I pray that you would give her the peace. I pray that you would give her the strength. I pray that you would give her the joy. I pray that you would give her the hope that she has need of in this moment. God, I ask that you would bring healing to her life. I plead the promises of the cross over her life, for her family, God, that you would lift them up, strengthen and encourage them. God, I pray for the testimony that you're bringing through this circumstance. I pray, God, for the victory, the all things that work together for the glory of God, that, 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 that they would come to pass in the midst of this. God, that you would be glorified in Jesus' name. We pray for healing in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray for healing in the name of Jesus Christ because you can in Jesus' name. If there's any other needs you might have, we won't make you say them out loud and pray in front of the whole church, but I want to pray with you this morning. If you're not familiar with the cause and you want to know about the cause, I want an opportunity to pray with you this day. But there's a moment just to respond to God, to respond to what He's been seeking, to speak, to soak in the, the truth that He's been speaking in your life this morning. God is good, amen? Are you still on board? Are you still ready for His cause? Doesn't matter the cost, amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you know the cause. So you don't have to count the cost. Amen? Be blessed.